Joy, I know you think this is a great idea because you love a couple in therapy. <laughs> Well, I'm on, re on record saying that couples therapy does not work. Right. I, don't believe I have to tell you, I think your mic is in your breasts. <laughs> I think oh, your mic is down in your breasts. Oh, wait. Oh, wait, I, I could hear you, Joy. but it was it was interesting. Oh. <laughs> Hello. Steve, come in um, here. Oh, my God. <laughs> you should have Steve. So though, while, we, while, you, while we fish that That's out, another Megan, I'm going to ask you. That's a special it's kind a of It's a whole different world. To have Steve get her mic from her boobs. I'm into that. Yes. <laughs> Tifa, Jamie Foxx, Camilla Parker Bowles. And what year is this? The year is 2005. So okay. one is the most fascinating, one is on the list, and one you made up? Correct. Yes. Okay, I think that Jamie Foxx was on the list. I think that Camilla was top of the list, and I think that Queen Latifah was not on the list. That's interesting, because I was going to say that Jamie Foxx is the most fascinating, that mm -hmm. Camilla is on the list, and that Queen Latifah... Oh, no. I'd like to change my answer. <laughs> uh, I no longer think Jamie Foxx was the most fascinating. I think he was not on the list. I think Queen Latifah was on the list, and I think Camilla was the most fascinating. The correct answer is the most fascinating person of 2005 was Camilla Parker Bowles. Yes. They, she finally married Prince Charles. Oh, okay. The person that I made up is Queen Latifah. Mm. I knew it. She's not a real hmm. person. Because... 2005 is when Ray came out, I think, right? I was really flip-flopping between Ray and Chicago. Oh. I think it would have been because of Ray. Yeah. There's two people on the list that are making an appearance for the second time again. Okay. Who oh, do you God. think they could be in 2005? Oh, just, like, come up with a name? It's so hard. Um... I would say um, Hillary Clinton is a good guess because I feel like she was on every second year. Mm -hmm. Well, she already has made two appearances, oh, so okay. she can't be making her second appearance. Okay. Um, <laughs> Tom Cruise. Mm, good guess. Correct. Yes. Nice. Do you have a guess, Sean? I want to say it's like a politician. I know I said Hillary Clinton, like, could it be Bill Clinton? No, it's Lance Armstrong. <gasps> oh, I was going to guess, for the record, I was going to guess Arnold Schwarzenegger because I thought maybe that was when he was running for politics. I think he was the also the person that was on the list for the second time last episode. Oh, that may, okay. Erase, <laughs> erase. <laughs> 2006... Brangelina, Nancy Pelosi, 
Serena Williams, who is the most and who is fake? I would say that Brangelina is fake. I don't think that Barbara would ever couch it that way. I don't think that's her style. So I'm going to say that's fake. The other options were Nancy Pelosi and who? Serena Serena Williams. Williams. I'm going to say Serena Williams was most. I think Brangelina was most. I think Serena was on the list. I think Nancy is fake. The correct answer is Nancy Pelosi was the most fascinating. (gasps) What? And Serena Williams was not on the list. Brangelina was on the list. And Nancy Pelosi was the most fascinating because she became the first female speaker of the house in 2006, apparently. And she's still going. And she's still still up there. There was another power couple besides Brangelina that was on the Mm. list. Can you guess Mm. who? J-Lo and... In 2006. J-Lo and Thing. I am going to say Brittany and Kevin. No, it was actually the Irwins. (gasps) (laughs) Terry and Steve Irwin, however, Steve Irwin had passed away. Oh my and god. And that was that was that year. Um and so they were both on the list and Jesus. Terry gave a very you know, I, I actually think I remember yeah. that now, yeah. Because Barbara asked her what she misses most of all and she said the fun. Mm. I loved the crocodile hunter. Like that was must think, see yeah. TV in my household. Yeah. That is a person that I feel like everybody, no one can say a bad word. Yeah, like truly like Robin problematic, you know? Yeah, yeah. So in the world of view updates, I have a little a little update on the Katie Price of the view, Paula Ferris. <laughs> because she wishes. <laughs> In our last episode, we were trying to figure out if Paula had said on Instagram whether or not she had COVID because she said the words, we have COVID. (laughs) Well, since then, she posted another update on her Instagram feed confirming that she did have COVID. Hey, y'all. I just wanted to give you an update on our COVID chronicles. I mentioned briefly last week that our family has COVID. And my sister has COVID and my niece has COVID. So um, it's one big COVID family, basically, um, between my house and my sister's house. Wow. In fact, we had COVID. Like the whole family, right? Yes. So when she said we, she meant Mm -hmm. her whole family had it. And I will say in this uh, Instagram update, she was a lot lower energy. And it seemed like she had been through it Mm. as opposed to the first video where she was painting her studio. She was like, yeah, no, this, this sucked. Like, and she said that it gave her a very like foggy brain. Wow. It might explain why there haven't been any new episodes of the Paula Ferris experiment. (laughs) Wow. I really, really thought she was speaking generally. We as a society have COVID. (laughs) I did not think, based on the HGTV project that was happening in that video, I did not think that she meant, I literally have coronavirus in this moment. That is crazy. 
and I wish her a full recovery so that we can all go back to the Paula Ferris experience. Yeah. She walked into her stable and caught her horse cheating on her. <laughs> Literally, like, yeah, talk about someone who can't catch a break. It's like ever since the Apple incident, it's just been like hit after hit. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? I, that wasn't even supposed to be a joke. <laughs> I just mean, it's like one thing after another. Like, give the girl a break. (laughs) Jesus. I don't want the Paula Ferris experience. It sounds (laughs) not fun. (laughs) In other news, some sad news came out, which is that the West End Sister Act, the musical production (laughs) in London, has officially been postponed till 2022. And it also means that Whoopi Goldberg has departed the cast. (gasps) So she'll no longer be starring in Sister Act on the stage. And she released a statement saying, Sister Act is near and dear to my heart, and I'm disappointed that I'll be unable to perform in this production under the circumstances. However, my producing partners and I will continue to work towards mounting a fantastic production with an amazing new cast, and we look forward to presenting it when it can be done safely for everyone on stage, behind the scenes in the audience. So at least we're getting Sister Act 3, but we're not. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't buy a ticket because I definitely (laughs) would have loved. It was definitely something I was kind of thinking about trying to make happen. Mm -hmm. It seems like, I mean, this is pure speculation, but it feels like the reason she can't do it in summer of 2022 is because she's going to be filming Sister Act 3, (laughs) which is like the best reason for her not to do it, you know? Maybe, but yeah. also I feel like if I were her in this, I would be like, I'm not committing to that anymore. Yeah, like I'm not holding that <laughs> spot in my schedule again. I remember when it was announced and we were like toying with the idea of going to recreate um, <laughs> what Joy had done in London <laughs> <laughs> and go to that store, Harrods, I think. And get robbed. And, um, and get robbed. <laughs> Yeah, and then go see Sister Act all um, while wearing Megan's headband that we've <laughs> stolen, which you're then gonna toss into the bin. <laughs> <laughs> That's all the view updates that I have. But I know that Sean has been doing some reading lately. Mm. Ooh! So we've been holding out on our listeners because I thought we were le- legally obligated to do so, <laughs> but. I've gotten the green light <laughs> to tell everybody that summer has come early for Deja the View <laughs> because Sunny sent us an advanced copy of Summer on the Bluffs for our reading pleasure. And yes. I finally got around to reading it. I've had a I've had a pretty hectic year. I don't know if you've seen in the press. <laughs> <laughs> his horse cheating on me my implants were held up at gunpoint in south africa um but i finally got around to reading summer on the bluffs and i am not going to spoil anything for you because it's now in kevin's possession and he's 
um, mm-hmm. especially learned how to read for this occasion. Yeah, this is the sisterhood of the traveling novel, and <laughs> yeah. I have been taking reading lessons, and I can't wait to read my first book. So in two years, I'll get the copy <laughs> from Kevin, then I'll get to read it. Um, but I will just... But she sent us the book at the same time that she sent I Am mm-hmm. These Truths. We just didn't mention it because we didn't know for 100% certainty if we, we could. didn't want to get Sunny in trouble, you know? Yeah, and no one likes a braggart. <laughs> yeah, we also didn't want to brag. Um, but yeah. I finished the book, and I sent Sunny a message telling her that I finished the book, and she was like, please feel free to tease it. So that's what I'm doing now. Oh, nice. But I did really enjoy this. I got very invested, and every night I would tell Kevin, like, I have to go to read Summer on the Bluffs now. Mm-hmm. But I will say, you know, Sunny's been teasing this a lot by saying, like, everybody has a secret. And, like, mm-hmm. reading the book, I was like, oh, well, I know everybody's secret, so it's not that secret. But, wow, the secrets come out. <laughs> you, just when you think you know, you have no idea. Uh-huh. Wow, I can't um, wait. There's some steamy sex scenes. Wow. Um, and also, I will add that there's lesbianism. <gasps> wow. And quite a bit of it. You know, <laughs> I can't wait. Remember when we were in New York and I fell asleep on the, <laughs> on the extremely crowded subway train reading Elizabeth Hasselbeck's book? I feel like Somewhere on the Bluffs will be the most opposite experience Mm -hmm. from that and I cannot wait Mm -hmm. to read it Mm -hmm. and the other thing is like the reason I say I don't really read books like this is because I always find like they're either like super predictable or like so obviously written or like they feel like they have really 2D characters but I will say like hand on my heart the characters are like so well developed and realistic and complex like you can really like hate them one minute and love them the next minute and I really appreciated mm. that. And you can like very much hear Sonny's voice in the book. You know, there's beekeeping. <laughs> One other thing that I'd like to say about the book that we're also allowed to mention now is that a sequel is in the works. And I say we're allowed to mention it now because I saw Sonny post about it on Instagram today. There is a sequel. So this is now a franchise. So if you feel um, uncomfortable about your Harry Potter books, there's some good news. <laughs> Clear them out so you can make space on your shelf for the sunny For the Austin. summer on the Bluffs series. <laughs> what did she say exactly on Instagram? Uh, so she just said, like, uh, she's she's got her, like, 51st pages or whatever. And then someone commented, like, oh, is this a sequel to Summer on the Bluffs? And she said, yes, she did announce the title, which is Summer on on Sag Harbor. It's the Summer On series, which I love. Ooh, I love that. I am so desperate for, like, literally what you've just described, like, secrets and gossip, that I started (laughs) reading. I started reading lesbian romance (laughs) novels, and they're basically, like, they're basically Hallmark movies, but, like, as a novel, it's so, like, smooth brain, and it's the most enjoyable thing that I've found, because it's, they're so, the characters are so messy, there's all of these, like, stupid secrets and drama happening, but the thing about them is that they're only like 100 pages and they're written really poorly because they're like they're not even like published by like real (laughs) 
It's basically fanfic. I've basically been reading fanfic, um, so I cannot wait to actually read a novel. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. I know you're going to like it, Marie. I'm excited to read it, too. I'm going to start as soon as this podcast <laughs> is released. Start now. Don't be shy. Yeah, just <laughs> log off. We'll take it from here. <laughs> That's fine. I'll send you guys my notes. I've done it before. <laughs> So not a view update, but a view adjacent update, which is the controversy that the Tamron Hall show invoked onto itself recently when they decided to have none other than disgraced former twice impeached RuPaul's Drag Race (laughs) contestant Sherry Pie on the show. I, okay, I have not been like that tapped into the discourse around this, but, and I understand why it's controversial, but I also at the same time don't get why it's so controversial because like, to me, this is classic daytime television. Like I would tune into Oprah and like once a week should be interviewing Mm -hmm. a serial killer or like uh, an abuser or a rapist or like, you know, I I think that there has been a place on television to interview controversial figures. Um, and maybe because that kind of show hasn't really been on the air in a long time, that's why it's controversial. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, what are your I takes on think, it? Well, you, the controversy happened before the interview happened. Mm-hmm. Like re- when you think about how this mm-hmm. actually unfolded, because what happened was the Tamron Hall show released an Instagram graphic of a smiling Sherry Pie in full mm-hmm. drag and said, this week, an interview with the breakout star of RuPaul's <laughs> Drag Race, Sherry yeah. Pie. And if you know anything about Sherry Pie and RuPaul's Drag Race, you know that Sherry Pie was not the breakout star of the show. Yeah. She was disgraced and disqualified and mostly edited out of the show. Mm-hmm. So for the Tamron Hall show to make the mistake of putting up a graphic that says an interview with a breakout star, it really implies that the interview is going to be like some weird, like positive mm-hmm. interview with Sherry Pie, whether that was the intention or not. And so it's not like, shocking that people were outraged when they saw that and this the entire like discourse took place like before the interview happened and then by the time that the interview did happen Tamron came out onto the stage and was like shooketh because she was like you could tell that she had just been attacked online for like two days okay I I saw that graphic but I didn't realize like I guess I didn't really read it I didn't get the breakout mm. star part and that then that makes sense. Yeah, and- I feel like you both made like really good points. Like I think that the way it was presented to the public through that graphic and like using the like smiling promo photo from Drag Race, it all painted like a really confusing and bad image of what the interview would be. But also to what Sean was saying, I think that like the way that um that daytime TV works now is that people think of like Ellen and the Kelly Clarkson show and they think that like all daytime TV is kind of that format and because there are less shows now like 
um, Oprah back in the day, um, like Sally Jesse Raphael back in the day, where they would interview, do serious interviews with people who had done horrible things. Now, I think people who did not know what Tam- the Tamron Hall show was, they saw a daytime TV show doing an interview with Sherry Hall. The way that daytime TV works now with like the Kelly show and Ellen stuff, it's like people only go on those shows when they're like promoting something. That's kind of like what these shows have turned into a lot of the time is like they're there to promote a project or themselves. They're not Mm -hmm. just there to do like an interview about some like a serious thing that happened. And so I think that people who didn't know what the Tamron Hall show was immediately thought that this was like a platform to promote Sherry. Well, that's the thing. I agree with you. But it's like because Tamron Hall doesn't have the brand recognition of an Oprah or even a Ricky Lake. So people found out who I mean, not everyone, but lots of people found out who Tamron Hall was by seeing mm-hmm. this. Right. So people had every reason to assume the worst because like why wouldn't they if you had no idea who Tamron Hall was and you saw that you saw like an interview with Sherry Pie. <laughs> and I think like it was just a I also think like whatever like straight person like initially set this up wasn't thinking about like how vocal the LGBT community can be and how toxic the RuPaul's Drag Race community can be. I don't think they knew all of these things when they were going into it. And I found Tamron to in this interview with Sherry Pie, it felt like by the time it was happening, it was less about Tamron interviewing Sherry and it was more about Tamron proving to people that she was going to hold Sherry accountable. Like, it was like almost like she was on the defense to the public. I did wonder watching the interview how much the interview changed as a result of the discourse because she does come out straight away and then sort of explains herself. And I assume that. And then ne- she's that very, very tough on Sherry. Yeah. And then she's very, very tough, like very tough. And she's like, you're not going to promote anything. Like, you're not, this isn't me giving you a platform or giving you my platform. Um, although you could argue that it is giving her a platform. And I've seen her do that type of interview before a little bit, which she even references, like she did it with Stassi from Vanderpump Rules. She really like let Rachel and Rachel Dolezal. She had on like two weeks prior. She does like do that sort of thing. But this, I feel she was like particularly being like, no, I'm going to be really hard on Sherry Pie and show you guys like, that I I knew what I was doing. I'm a professional, and she is. And like props to Tamron Hall, she has an Emmy and a great career. He was in the background, in fact. <laughs> but at the same time, like Avi, the show did this interview because they knew it would. Someone thought this will be like a buzzworthy interview. Mm-hmm. That's like why else would you interview bad people? And Tamron keeps saying like, when is it okay to interview bad mm-hmm. people? It's like well. Maybe, I don't know, maybe we should examine, like, why, why we interview bad people. Yeah, it's, like, it's interesting because, like, Gail King did that Art Kelly interview just, like, last year, I think, or maybe, uh, 
maybe more than a year ago. But I think because like the format was different and people didn't get that like weird preview on Instagram type teaser where they didn't know what to expect. I think that's what like led to that being received very differently to what you were saying before it's like I don't want to discredit Tamron and say that maybe she only was hard on um on Joey because of what people were saying I feel like I don't know uh Tamron well enough to know if like that would have affected her interview style but the the thing that like even after watching the interview, the thing that still I was like iffy about, I don't know if it ever should have happened, was like the fact that before the interview aired, like a, a, allegedly victims had uh, gone to the show, like had tried to contact the show and said, do not do this interview. Like, please don't do this interview. That was the part that like kind of still um, rubbed me the wrong way. The fact that that happened and then they still did the interview i was like i don't know what like how you i don't know and what that's the right kind thing to of do the is. entire argument against doing an interview like this in the first place mm-hmm. is that like the victims don't really get the same platform that sherry pie exactly got that's yeah that's like the the more intelligent arguments that were being like hurled at tamron hall yeah. is that and that is a great point like that's a valid point Candy Carter is definitely causing a stir over at Tamron <laughs> Hall since Jesus. leaving The View. Yeah. She also had on Ryan Mitchell, a culture yeah. commentator, to like kind of speak to why there was so much controversy about this interview. I'm not sure if you saw my tweets, but I think my series of tweets were simply about recognizing the anti-black uh, blackness and racism in the drag race world, right? Especially when most of the criticism was coming from a large group of the same people who were discrediting, I think, your ability to properly handle the sensitivity of this type of topic. I am familiar with your work. I think this was the first time in a lot of the tweets were saying, um, you know, you know, well, Tamron Hall, I've never heard of her. And so, of course, she's doing this for ratings. And for me, I've seen you hold people to, you know, their feet to the fire. And so I was wanting some public accountability here. And I also think it's important to talk about the duality of knowing that, hey, everyone is kind of tiptoeing on that line of misogynoir. Right. And we have to be careful with what the messaging around 100%. this. percent. And I think I told someone, I told my executive producer, a lot of these people um, who don't want to hear from Joey watch George Zimmerman. I feel like in the end, what we saw on TV was like a, a pretty responsible way to do it. But yeah. it it all was like such an unnecessary mess. And that's the thing, too. I was like, it was all and all this like for what? It's like people who... <laughs> Our regular watchers of Tamron Hall, because I was going through the comments, and it seemed like the people who are regular uh, Tam fam were like, "Who is this person? Like, why are we doing this? Right? I don't even know this person." Like, so it was like regular v- viewers seemed to get nothing out of it, and then people who were aware of of Sherry or Joey, they didn't want to watch it. They were like, "Boycott Tamron Hall." So it's like all of this, and for what? We got an interview where. Joey couldn't really explain himself. Tamron tried to ask like uh, like hard questions. We didn't really get any answers. Everyone looked bad. And that was it. Yeah, yeah it's like it's, all of this for what? That's what I was going to say. Like the Tamron Hall audience is not 
exactly the same as the drag race audience and when those two mm. audiences intersected it it was a disaster and in the gay community when we're talking about being part of the tam fan we're not talking about tamron hall we're talking about a tanisha iman <laughs> yeah i just felt like it was a, a whole lot of discourse and uh, an, an interview that didn't need to happen because what did we get out of it I felt like I didn't get anything. Yeah, I totally that agree. I couldn't have read from from a bullshit like uh, apology on on social media. Yeah, you know, I feel like I'm the first to like whether this is problematic or not. I don't know, but I'm the first to like want to watch an interview with a serial killer. I'm the first to want you know like I thrive yeah. on. And you're that. not alone. <laughs> it's like people yeah. love that shit. People watch true true crime interviews and documentaries yeah. all the time. Yeah. And so I like to watch somebody being interviewed, being held accountable, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And this was like the lowest form of that. Like it was just so unmemorable. And I could sort of, I mean, I watched mm-hmm. it today in advance of this, but I actually didn't watch it when it happened and I was sort of surprised when uh, all of this conversation was going on in the lead up to it that on the day that it actually happened nobody talked about it like I didn't see any discussion about it and therefore I thought like oh this must have been like much ado about nothing because when it was all said and done she came out there and like gave it her all and held cherry pie as accountable as she could so it was like there's nothing left there's nothing to criticize and then she had the culture commentator on after and they spoke very well about the situation gave a very like nuanced take on it so it was like when it was all said and done like I said it was like a pretty responsible experience Mm -hmm. but for what as we said for what like it's not even like it like went like quote-unquote viral like it has like a few thousand views on youtube like it's not even like a huge thing that's why i was like was it worth it like no i had you on to have a conversation about who gets to tell their story and sometimes bad things happen and those bad people are interviewed I will say when I was going through Tamron's like recent YouTube uploads um, to see like who else she had been interviewing recently, it was all like <laughs> reality TV people who've done shitty things. Rachel Dolezal and <laughs> Michelle Rodriguez. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Like there's the Fast and the Furious movie is like, we don't know when it's coming out. <laughs> They just keep saying soon at the end of every trailer since like 2018. Like, why was she lumped in with all of these like <laughs> news makers? <laughs> anyway, I obviously bookmarked it. <laughs> Watch later. <laughs> I wonder if people will have a closer eye on the Tamron Hall show now. Like, maybe that will be the result. Is like now, yeah. now gay people know who Tamron Hall is. <laughs> Maybe. And like, maybe it was like to get the name out there so that when people, when more famous people, like fame, more famous than the reality TV, like disgraced people, when they want to like go on a show for their scandal, they'll go there instead of Red Table Talk. (laughs) And yes, yes. And also like the next RuPaul's Drag Race star that is a disqualified we will actually send them straight to Tamron Hall because now we know (laughs) that she knows what to do (laughs) yeah so the past couple of weeks on The View no sign of Amy Klobuchar 
but we did get a visit from the queen of slim legs, mm. yes. Sherry Shepard. Finally, Finally, after such a long period of time without being allowed on the show. And <laughs> I mean, if the issue, some people say that the issue mm-hmm. was Megan. Mm-hmm. Megan didn't seem to mind. And Sherry didn't seem to mind Megan. No. no. It was yeah. very affable. Yeah, it very much felt like if the rumor was that um, Sherry wasn't allowed to be a guest because of Megan, that pr- pr- this squashed it and i was surprised that sherry was on now because i was thinking like when megan's on mat leave if there's ever a time for sherry to be on it would be then assuming the rumors were true but now i feel quite confident that it was all bs yeah i would love i would love to see more of her they also had on fran lebowitz katie perry priyanka chopra who I almost would rather watch Amy Klobuchar than Priyanka Chopra <laughs> because she is insufferable. Um, and they also had on Laverne Cox again, which was so yes. great. I feel like they should have her on every day, five days a week. It felt like we had booked the show <laughs> between Sherry and Laverne. This is exactly the type of person that The View needs to hire. Mm-hmm. They opened the interview with her by asking her about trans athletes. Okay, the way that they opened the interview was so strange. So Whoopi was just like, Laverne's here. Sarah, I'll give the floor to you. Sarah launches into her question slash Laverne's intro as if it was a game show. Like... She was like, there wasn't even like a, hi, Laverne, I'm so glad to see you. Like, congrats on your projects. So let's start off with a hot topic. No, there was no that. She just went, okay, we'll start off with a hot topic. So Joe Biden recently (laughs) revealed. And she was reading it like it was on the chase. I was like, I think that she's like, has muscle memory of reading cue cards so fast. (laughs) Well, I thought it was kind of weird because like, okay, yes, Laverne is totally a trans activist but i'm like did she did we did we ask if it was okay to ask her this honestly it didn't seem like as if they did because one of the first things that laverne says is well i am i am not an expert on athletes right because like (laughs) because the hot topic when sarah was like she was like let's uh let's talk about a hot topic and then went into this thing about trans athletes which was mm-hmm. not a hot topic on The View. No. Like, they did not discuss that on The View. <laughs> so it was like, it was literally like, you're trans. Like, so it was just like, yeah. I don't know. I hope that that was okay with Laverne. She was like, Sarah was downloading so much info in that reading of the question that I was like, were we supposed to supposed to already know, like, what this issue was? And so what I could grasp from her question was like the government was uh trying to intervene in what uh the qualifications would be for trans athletes in the olympics is that what it kind of what it was yeah i'm not sure if it was the olympics or not but like people are always trying to like limit trans people from participating in sports whether it's literally like community sports all the way up to the like Olympics. high school like, all the, yeah yeah 
and it's obviously just complete bullshit. And Laverne was mm-hmm. just like, well, there are guidelines in place to hopefully <laughs> protect those athletes. And I don't know anything about that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I hope that Laverne got the question beforehand because just the speed at which Sarah was... <laughs> downloading all of this information onto her i was like i don't know like, where do you start laverne like, for 100 you... points yes <laughs> that was like the that was the vibe of the whole thing hi laverne let's start with a hot topic on his first day in office president biden signed an executive order preventing discrimination on the basis of gender identity or sexual orientation including in school sports now at least six states are advancing legislation to ban or restrict transgender female athletes from competing in women's sports, saying it creates an uneven playing field. What's your reaction to that? That is a really interesting and complicated um, conversation, and I'm not an expert on sports. But, like, they need Laverne on the show. It's They need a trans person on the show in general. Mm -hmm. I firmly believe if Barbara was running the show, there would already have been a trans person on the show because Barbara has broken barriers before. And it's like Laverne is one of the most charismatic like actresses. That's why she's always asked to like host award shows and like announce the nominees and stuff because they're like no one can read a nominee name like Laverne. <laughs> like no one can ask a question like Laverne. So like that's why I think that she's constantly in demand. So it's like it would just add so much to the show as Laverne as well. Yeah. Just to have her there, it like it breathed life into the show. Just having her there. I also think that yeah. like that t- that question that Sarah asked probably is a hot topic. And I know that even though I don't know anything about it, I can tell you one hundred percent, it's a hell of a lot more interesting than most of the hot topics they do. And um, <laughs> and you look at like you know we've talked about how the J.K. Rowling thing was not a hot topic on The View. They've never discussed Mm -hmm. that. And I think it's because they're afraid to talk about trans issues because they probably don't feel qualified to do so. And I don't know that it's Mm -hmm. Laverne's job to go on The View and explain the trans experience to America. Mm -hmm. But if it's like an opportunity to like get some of those topics on the table so The View feels comfortable discussing them, like that would be a benefit to everybody. Also... Like, all that aside, uh, in the segment where they were talking about Laverne's uh, dating life, and she said that she's 48 years old. What? I could not believe. (laughs) (laughs) I could not believe. What? Now that's a hot topic. There's a hot topic. (laughs) So, okay. So let's actually talk about hot topics then. What hot topics are you doing? The majority of the time was spent recapping the impeachment trial. They also Mm. discussed Nikki Haley not once but twice. And they also talked about, obviously, what's going on with Texas and the Ted Cruz of it all, the snow job, um, (laughs) if you will. Still ahead, snow job in Texas. (laughs) As Virginia put it. Yeah. Um, And they literally did a segment in hot topics on president's day that was like i know i've joked about this but they did propaganda for joe biden as a hot topic they were like they were like president's day is joe biden's birthday 
Like, you know how, like, Victoria Day is the Queen's, like, ceremonial birthday? Mm -hmm. They were like, this is Joe Biden Day. It was, like, full Hunger Games President Snow propaganda video. Yeah, they they edited together a video of all the times that Joe Biden was on the show set to inspiring music. And then when it was... It sounded like the the Veep theme song. (laughs) And then when it was all over, they were just like... Yeah, like, what a decent man. Oh, my God, my hero. Well, there we are. There we are. He's adorable. He's so he's so genuine and, and sweet and, and lovely and funny. Good sense and of humor. Everything you want yeah. in, a, in, a, in a man and in a president. You know, he's just, a, he's, a, he's great. And he's right for these times. He's perfect. Perfect for these times, I think. That was cathartic to watch. I'm glad we have him. I couldn't believe it when I was watching it. Like, I My was jaw embarrassed was for them. I thought it was, was embarrassing. Like, yeah, I was like, are you guys okay? Like, yeah. first of all, what the hell is President's Day? Like, <laughs> I would rather celebrate administrative assistance day family day (laughs) yeah i don't understand like how they can do that and not think maybe this is a little too much maybe we don't need to be campaigning for joe biden today i just can't believe that they i understand why they might want to do it and i understand that there's like a feeling of somewhat a feeling of levity having come out of the trump years but it's like, if you want to do this, make a montage of all the presidents who've appeared on The View. And if you want to leave Trump out, fine. Yeah. But like, it's in, it's like state television to watch this bizarre fluff piece <laughs> on Joe Biden set to this yeah. like patriotic music. It was so uncomfortable to watch. The It's like The View is like, it needs to go through rehab or something. It's like... <laughs> Trump and the election was like their drug and they they mm-hmm. don't know how to quit it and they don't know how to move on and it's like mm-hmm. Biden is the president now he won the election so now you can't just do propaganda for the president this brings me to the next thing that I want to talk about which is like they were discussing how Biden had done his first CNN town hall. Mm-hmm. And they did that as a hot topic. And their takeaway from it was completely different than what I saw everyone else talking about. So they were talking about how he did his first town hall. And one of the things that he said in it was that he's sick of talking about Trump. And mm-hmm. that's what The View focused solely on was that he had made a comment that he was sick of talking about Trump like not any of the policies or things that he said he was going to do and not do yeah purely that he made a comment that he doesn't want to talk about Trump that much and if you I know that everyone's like social media feed is slightly different but the only thing that I saw people talking about relating to that town hall was the fact that he said that he's not willing to cancel student debt We need student loan forgiveness beyond the potential $10,000 your administration has proposed. We need at least a $50,000 minimum. What will you do to make that happen? I will not make that happen. And that Mm -hmm. was like a viral clip 
in my social media yeah. feed. And even the 10K that he said he will cancel is now like TBD. The thing that was like upsetting was like Whoopi was talking about how she doesn't want to talk about Trump. She wants to focus on what's happening now. And it was like, she got so close to getting to the point that we want her to make, but didn't quite get there. Cause she was like, I want to focus on what's happening now. I want to focus on what Biden's doing now. And in my mind, I was like, yes, she's going to be like, I want to make sure he keeps his promises. I want to make sure he gives those checks to people. I want to make sure he gets the kids out of the cages. No, we didn't get there. Instead, she was like, I want to focus on what Biden's doing now. And then just listed a bunch of like, in her eyes, like great things that he's doing. And I was like, no, we got so close (laughs) to you realizing that like, you still have to criticize him and hold him accountable. From this segment, I liked listening to Megan talk because I don't know what she said, but all I know is that she made references to Godzilla and Jurassic Park, like in the same sentence and separate thoughts. And I'm just like, what monster movie marathon had she been watching on the weekend that she just couldn't get out of her mind? This is like in any monster movie where Godzilla is underwater in the ocean and it looks like it's calm and people are above in their boats in the sea and you're just waiting for him to come back up and scream. But make no doubt, Godzilla is still there and there will be a sequel to this. I I just think of this like the dinosaur screaming in Jurassic Park and this is very far from over. The other Biden thing that I want to talk about, and like, I'm sorry for wanting to talk about this because I don't know why I got so obsessed with it, but it's this Neera Tandon thing that they discussed because this person named Neera Tandon, she's undergoing um, the confirmation process to be part of Biden's cabinet. And Mm -hmm. so she had her hearing where like all the senators question her and they have to vote on whether they want to confirm her or not. This was a person I had never heard of, but they were talking about on The View, so I decided to be like, hmm, like, who is Neera Tandon? And in this hearing, she was under fire for past tweets that she had made because she has, like, a long history of trolling people on Twitter, like, progressives, and Republicans. So she is like a very like neoliberal type of person. She's a Hillary Clinton loyalist, like one of her top aides. And you could say she like represents everything that that uh, you could say is like wrong with the Democratic Party. <laughs> and she's known for being a Twitter troll. She's attacked Bernie Sanders. And it's especially interesting because like Hillary Clinton obviously hates Bernie as well. And mm. Neera Tanden like famously once physically assaulted a reporter oh for asking Hillary a question about the Iraq war and like her support of it or something like that. <clears throat> she shoved the reporter or punched. Like there's a little bit of discrepancy on whether it was a shove or punch. And that person that she assaulted years later, went on to become Bernie Sanders' campaign manager. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, <laughs> Jesus. so, like, that's who this person is. And she's hated by, like, progressive Democrats and by Republicans. So either Joe Biden doesn't know who she is or he doesn't care <laughs> because he could have chosen 
someone else. I mean, there's no way he doesn't know who she is. If she was like, she's a Hillary person and like Hillary people are Biden people, I assume. Yeah. But I don't like, I was trying to, I don't get the whole like nomination process and like um, whatever, like however they affirm people to positions in the Senate. I don't know how that whole process works because I was trying to look up like, okay, did she get affirmed? But I don't no, think it's happened so yet, right? It's up in the air now. And like, I realize that I'm, I, to be clear, I'm not a Neera Tannen expert. I just did like one <laughs> Google search. But yeah, she's not confirmed yet because now, remember when we learned about um, Senator Joe Manchin? Yeah. Yes. He <laughs> said that he's not going to vote to confirm Yeah, which her. would mean that she would so, not be confirmed. Mm. It's like, yeah, it's like in jeopardy now. So she might not be confirmed. Right. Some of but, the things she tweeted were kind of funny. <laughs> well, like, that's the thing. She's like, she's very, like, outspoken. She definitely has Twitter fingers. Like, I feel like she doesn't take a breath before unleashing her true thoughts on people. The difference is that she's not, like, doing it from a burner account. She's doing it from her, like, actual like government account yeah like i'm not even that familiar with the stuff exactly that she tweeted all i know is that that one senator was like you called bernie sanders everything but an ignorant slut <laughs> but the comments were personal i mean you call senator sanders everything but an ignorant slut that is not that is not true and when, when you when you said these things did you mean them i wouldn't have said ignorant I want the record to reflect that I did not call Senator Sanders an ignorant slut. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Uh, I don't know how I should take that, Senator Kennedy, but uh, Senator Kane. Oh, my God. Which, by the way, it was not even said on The View. <laughs> like, they didn't even mention no. that. But when Joy no. went on her rant about Nira's grammar... That's what she was kind of referencing because the senator was like, you called Bernie Sanders everything but an ignorant slut, which I guess was referencing an SNL skit or something. And she was like, I feel badly. And then he was like, but did you mean it at the time? Oh and she God. says, I feel badly. And then it goes on for 10 times, I swear. He's like, but did you mean it? And she says, I feel badly. It's like... um, the kind of, what Megan said, I I kind of agreed with. She was like opposed to this person getting the nomination. Her I think her main points was like she's sick of politicians who like act out this way on social media, like making a, a reference to the way that that Trump tweeted. And I kind of agree. It's like people applying for jobs at McDonald's get their social media checked at. And if you are using swear words or using the language that she was using, you wouldn't get that job at McDonald's. So it's like, we have to hold people to a, high, a higher standard. If it's better than Trump, it's good enough. I know. And then like Whoopi yeah. just sort of like ended the conversation by being like, well, you know, she's doing it to Republicans and she's doing it to Bernie. So, like, I guess everyone's getting it. So it seems fair. And it's like, that's not. They were like. The, yeah. That's not. They were like, to, if Joe thinks it's good, it's good. Yeah. I trust Joe. Oh, God. From that to this. Hashtag free Britney. They set aside some time to talk about the Framing Britney Spears documentary that addresses Britney's. Mm -hmm legal battle between her and her father 
over her conservatorship. They reacted to that on The View, starting with Sarah, who said she hasn't thought about Britney Spears in a minute. So, Sarah, how did you feel after watching the documentary? I felt uh, so sad. My heart was heavy. I haven't, I haven't thought about Britney Spears in, in a minute or so. I can't relate. I couldn't believe that she said that. Like, I, I literally, know. like, this is supposed to be our quote-unquote fun panelist, and you haven't thought about Britney in a minute? Like, I think about Britney every <laughs> minute. Yeah, it was a really strange <laughs> and unexpected thing to say to open her point about it. Like, I, I cannot um, understand that <laughs> frame of mind. <laughs> That's not the reality I live in, but very insightful into the Sarah Haynes experience. Cool. <laughs> yeah, very interesting and very cool. I think that Megan especially, I think Megan's opinion on all of this surprised a lot of people online who aren't familiar with Megan and with her like passionate um, opinions about pop culture. And I find that I almost always agree with her opinions when it's about pop culture specifically. But I don't think a lot of people see that side of her on like a a day-to-day basis when they're only seeing little clips of her on The View. Broken clock. (laughs) Yeah. So she, I think that the reason why they discussed this was because she wanted it to be a hot topic. That's what she had tweeted. She shared the uh, normal human's opinion (laughs) that this conservatorship is has gone way too far, has gone on for way too long, far exceeds what a conservatorship is meant to be used for, and that a woman who is deemed um, fit enough to perform for sold-out shows for years, we're talking over a decade, uh, you cannot say that that person isn't fit to run their business, run their finances, or even let alone own their own cell phone. So it it just is crazy and I'm glad that people are talking about it and expressing that opinion now out in the open and that they're validating what Britney fans have been saying for years but have been kind of it's almost like people would like make fun of Britney fans for having that opinion in the past now that there's more info coming out specifically in this documentary there's more facts so it doesn't just seem like it's a bunch of people with a conspiracy theory I think that that is helping the cause a lot and hopefully something will actually come of it. I think the the documentary was, I feel like, really important for me even because, and like let alone the general public, because even like as a Britney fan and somebody who has loosely followed the story of her conservatorship, if you asked me like six months ago what's going on with it, I wouldn't be able to give you a very good answer because I think it has been purposely obscured and made to be this like complicated legal thing that's in her best interest and because nobody's allowed to talk about it and people aren't really be able to like lay it out in front of them uh themselves in an easy manner to like get a look at this and then form their own opinion it has created this environment for people when they talk about britney spears to just talk about how she's kind of like incapable of doing anything for herself how she you know 
this whole narrative that we're talking about. And mm-hmm. so like, it's nice that the documentary has like very clearly laid out a timeline of the events in her life and the legal events and things like that so that people can actually like take an objective look at this and then have a reaction to it. And I liked on The View that they mm-hmm. like seemed to have forced the ladies to sit down and watch the documentary and react to it. Like this was them doing you know, a quote unquote pop culture, though that although I think it's a bigger than a pop culture story, um, mm-hmm. in a really like interesting and nuanced way. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I was excited to hear Sunny talk about it as a lawyer. Like I was mm-hmm. like, this is yeah. a perfect view topic for them. And I actually yeah. really liked what Sunny said too, because she kind of did that like Anna Navarro thing of like going into a loop because she was like, We're we're all complicit. The media is complicit. Her father is complicit. Justin Timberlake is complicit. I started, she said it like 20 times and I loved it. <laughs> the media is complicit. Paparazzi that stalked her and took those photos of her shaving her head and, and uh, banging the car window with the umbrella, complicit. Her family, her father, complicit. Her uh, ex-husband's complicit. Her manager, complicit. Uh, you know, late night TV hosts making fun of her, complicit. Uh, we, we, we are all complicit and especially complicit in my view is the legal system. <laughs> yeah. And like, I think that that's the thing about this whole arrangement is like it, no one, the, the average fan doesn't understand what a conservatorship is. So like, that's what the documentary did a really good job of explaining. And that's what was good to hear from Sunny's point of view too, being like, the state of California needs to fix this. Like, it's not okay that they just put this trust in the system and they're being like, well, if they say the person's, like, not okay, then, you know, whatever, throw their hands up. I, like, I was watching that Rosamund Pike movie, I Care A Lot, last night, and it's, like, it's not about Britney in any way. <laughs> it's not specifically, it's not about like a case like Britney's where it's like a famous celebrity, but it is about how easy it is for people to manipulate um, guardianship and conservatorship laws in their favor. Because once you get the, the document signed by a doctor one time, then it's so hard for the person to prove like, no, I am, I do have like my mind, like I oh, can yeah. make decisions for myself. It's a very, it can be a very like, damaging thing Mm -hmm. it's just something that people have accepted as normal and it's very like and even i was like well i don't know the details of the cases or of the case so maybe maybe her dad does have her best interest you know like i I was was so like i'm same like i when the uh, britney's instagram podcast had that had their first like viral episode where they Mm -hmm where this free Britney movement like was sprung from, I was Mm -hmm. so skeptical of it because ever since I became aware of like all of this going on with Britney's life, I've been like, oh my God, we have to leave her alone. Like we have to just leave Britney alone. I never want to, I never want like the media and all of us to like do this to her ever again. So when they started talking about this, I was like, we don't know all the facts and we should just leave her alone. And I was like, I don't trust these girls. But like the documentary has helped show that like, no, this is a real thing. When uh, Kevin Federline filed the restraining order against her father because he alleged that he had been abusive to her sons, that was when I was like, 
there's something going on here something in the milk ain't clean like what is the truth and then do you remember when one of her sons went on instagram live and was like my grandpa's a dick i was like ah that's when i was like okay we need to find a way to both leave britney alone but also like (laughs) make sure that she gets help yeah it's like we need to find the balance between and i think that's what everyone is kind of thinking now is like find the balance between leave britney alone let her have a peaceful life and the life that she wants and deserves but also help get out of this horrible situation um i have one more thing to say which is like in the topic while they were discussing it something that really shocked me kind of was this throwaway moment in Whoopi's discussion which like I don't think that Whoopi had the best take on this and I think it's just because she didn't take the time to fully understand it but in her thoughts on Brittany she said like this is what society does to people like like young people in the entertainment industry and she then referenced Amanda Bynes, which like, Mm. I couldn't believe Whoopi knows about Amanda Bynes. It's like, I can understand that Whoopi might know who Amanda Bynes is, but like to be able to reference the parallel to me was like, Mm -hmm. I was shocked. Joy's reference was comparing Britney to Princess Diana, (laughs) which actually in the context of, of watching the documentary makes a lot of sense because of like how the paparazzi was like potentially putting her in actual like physical harm's way so i didn't think it was that far off of a reference personally mm-hmm. oh yeah like joy comparing britney to princess diana like as i've I said this to sean it just like sat right with my spirit <laughs> yeah so looking at the facebook discussion on the britney topic it really shows like the wide range of levels of knowledge about the Britney situation and also like some people are still in 2002 some people are in 2007 and some people are in 2021 got it I'm gonna read what I found Alex Britney was treated horribly it comes down to the money so many people are making money off you I worked with a very famous actress some years ago she was at the height of fame nominated for an Oscar She was so sad and broken. The people around her knew it. They did not care. They wanted their money. That is all she represented to them. I don't have the answer for this. I wish we didn't live in a world that money is God. Good luck, Brittany. (laughs) I can't believe that in 2021, after Brittany being a famous person, the most famous Brittany in that there has ever been that she 25 years into her career still gets her name spelled as Brittany. Constantly. Yeah. Constantly. Constantly. I would say the majority of people on Facebook for sure spelled it <laughs> Brittany. What? Well, where does that come from? You know from? what I'm going to say. And it's that some people don't um, have maps. <laughs> <laughs> like, she is the most famous Britney. Wouldn't that be the reference point for how the name is spelled? I think because everybody who knows a Britney spells it Brittany. God. Like it's far more common of a spelling. Because everyone has a Brittany in their life. Yeah. Monique says, 
She can perform and have instability. Van Gogh painted and suffered from serious oh psychiatric God. problems. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I understand what point of view she's coming from, but I love that she thinks in her that in her head, Brittany and Van Gogh like are like equal. Their impact on pop culture and art are equal yeah. because I also feel that way. Art pop. <laughs> Angelica says, finally, the view is talking about a new topic. Mm. <laughs> she made mm. points. And lastly, Rachel says, I shaved my head because it sounded fun. It was the most freeing moment slash week of my life. If I didn't need my job, I would do it again. Oh, happy for her. <laughs> Brittany's impact. Isn't it funny like how the Brittany shaving her head was like, the world ended when that happened. And now, like, celebrities shave their head like Halsey will just, like, have a shaved head and post an Instagram pic. And people, like, E! News will report about it and be like, new do, who dis? Like, people are just, like, <laughs> people just accept it and move on. It's not a big deal. Like, no one really cares. Okay. One last very important topic. Well, they were talking about everything that happened in Texas with the snow and all of mm-hmm. the people who were without electricity. And they were they discussed about how Ted Cruz uh, went to Mexico. Abandoned the, the of people crisis. of Texas in a horrible crisis. After they like spent a segment talking about that, they came back for another segment. And Joy opened the it by saying like, well, we were just talking about how horrified we were that Ted Cruz left his family dog at home. And um, a recent poll has said that seven out of 10 dog owners would risk their lives for their pooch. Sarah, why do I think you're one of these people? (laughs) And she wasn't wrong. The way that they brought up the snowflake thing, snowflake is, I believe, the name of the dog. The way that it came up during the Ted Cruz topic There was like a fight that popped off between Anna and Joy that I did not expect where Anna was saying how there were photos of the dog at home alone because he had because Ted Cruz and his family had abandoned the dog at home. And then unexpectedly, Joy kind of like took it upon herself to be like a defender being like no one would leave a dog at home alone like no one would do that and Anna was like look on my Twitter account I tweeted the picture (laughs) they were like having an argument about the specifics of the photo and let us not forget the kicker that he left his poodle alone his poodle which uh, ironically enough is named Snowflake so Senator Snowflake (laughs) Who abandoned his duties? You don't know. Wait, you left don't know his five-pound poodle. Know. There's a picture. No, Anna. I do know. Maybe, maybe there was someone. In, well, maybe there was someone in the house. No one in their right mind leaves a dog in the house while they go to Mexico for whatever time. That's insane. This is a whole other level uh, of Joy, craziness. A reporter now. went. A reporter went to check on see if the house had electricity. There is a picture. Go look at my Twitter feed of the five-pound poodle named Snowflake. I saw the picture Snowflake. of the dog. Okay, uh, in, in the house. Let me ask you. I mean, okay. Then they made up for it <laughs> quickly when Joy was like, well, I guess that's better than tying the dog to the roof like Romney. <laughs> and 
which I didn't know was a thing. I did had never heard of this yeah, before. Now but that I, you say it, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. Apparently, yeah, Mitt Romney had tied his dog to the to the roof. But when Joyce said, or yeah, when Joyce said that, Megan literally went oop and made a face. <laughs> so I learned a lot in that segment. Which led to them saying, would you risk your your life for your pet or specifically for your dogs? And Sarah, short answer, too long, didn't read. Yes. No hesitation. Absolutely would. <laughs> I liked that Sarah brought up Trixie because, mm-hmm. you know, Trixie tragically passed away. And she used to talk mm-hmm. about Trixie all the time. It was like one of yes. my favorite things about Sarah was that she was obsessed with her chihuahua. I loved hearing that she has tattoos of them. Yes. <laughs> yes. She has their initials tattooed on her. She used to post about her dogs and then specifically Trixie all the time on Instagram, like daily Trixie updates. Sarah said that one of the reasons why her husband fell in love with her and wanted to have kids was the way that she treated her dogs. And I was like, one of the reasons we fell in love with her was the way that she treated her dogs. Yeah. (laughs) So nobody felt the way that Sarah did. They asked Sunny if she would risk her life for her chickens. And she was just like, "Mm, no, (laughs) no. And, and um, Megan doesn't have pets and was like, well, I have taxidermy, so it might get weird. And so then Joy just went, well, thank you, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, 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 we have a ton of, I mean, my family has dogs, but I also have taxidermy around my house. So, like, I, you know, I'm like, I don't know. This is. <laughs> I don't know. I it was like when you were saying like my husband liked how I was with That's dogs. Weird. Ben liked how I was with a shotgun. We had married very different men. <laughs> All right. I don't know. All right. Dad, thank sorry. you for your thoughts, ladies. <laughs> well, thank you, ladies. That's about all I have to say about the view. But give us another couple of weeks, and we'll try again. <laughs> We'll see you again, maybe Monday, maybe Tuesday, a couple weeks from now. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But we have some exciting things coming out on our Patreon shortly after this episode. Sean, would you like to tell people what we're doing? Oh, I'm so excited. On Patreon this week, we are going to debut our new podcast, Deja the Loose Women. And... Most of you probably know this, but Loose Women is the British equivalent of The View. It's a panel daytime chat show. It's a little bit different than The View because their cast of panelists is huge and they rotate sort of on a daily, weekly basis. And they discuss less political topics. It's lots of fun. Well, new podcast maybe is a bit of a stretch, but we definitely spent a week watching Loose Women, and we're definitely going to spend an episode on Patreon talking about that. So make sure that you subscribe to our Patreon. This, I hope, will be either a treat for our listeners in the UK or one more thing that we have gotten wrong on this podcast. In my mind, it's like the soft launch of our spinoff podcast. I did really enjoy it. I felt 
it felt very it felt like when you watch drag race uk and you're like oh mm. so refreshing <laughs> so <laughs> see you there. so worldly <laughs> now that's culture indeed <laughs> I don't know. They've had a really hard year. I don't know if you've seen in the Puez. Well, always a pleasure. Kevin and Sean, thank you for joining great us. Great to be here. And everyone, remember to have a great day and take a little time to enjoy. Summer on the Bluffs, available May 4th. Hit it, Abby. That's all, folks. See you later. John Huntsman, the real job creator. He was only going for one night, mind you, with a bag that looked like if it was RuPaul. We're bringing Huntsman